In life's journey, we must seek to reflect, learn, and grow. Welcome to the Road to Rediscovery with your host, Aubrey Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life's lessons to learn and grow from them, and of course, take it to the next level to help others who are struggling through dark times. I am quite thrilled for today's chat, and I'm equally thrilled to introduce our special guest to you. I tell you, I've had to get her on the show. I really, really had, and I'm so grateful that she's agreed to, 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 to join us here today. And, and you'll see why. You'll see why I had to have her on the show. Uh, in the truest form and sense of the Rhodes Rediscovery, she's transformed a devastating, heartbreaking loss into a mission, a purpose, and is outward focused in helping and supporting others. Having lost her husband to pancreatic cancer four years ago, she has mourned and grieved and then made a choice to rise back in resilience. She's a perfect storm of compassion, resilience, purpose, and resolve. Also known as the Bad Widow, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Allison Pena. Allison, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here with you. Oh, we reciprocate. We're glad that you're here. So, all right, first off, let's talk about that, the name, Bad Widow. What does it mean and where did it come from? I get so much pushback on this name. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after my husband died, what I discovered is that people had no idea how to interact with or deal with someone who had just suffered a loss like mine. So they would say dumb things, they would do dumb things, and um, they had a lot of ideas about how I should be acting and feeling and the time it should take me to get back to work, get back to connecting with people, get back to dating. So everybody else was sort of imposing their notions about what they would do in my circumstance on me. Mm. And and so Bad Widow came about because there were all these assumptions I was running into. And I'm like, I just need to blow this stuff up. Right, this is right. Not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is you have to working. shake things up, right? Yeah, shake things up and re educate yeah. people. Actually, mm -hmm. help people support someone who's suffered a loss in a way that works for them. Because gotcha. what would happen is, you know, someone would say something or do something. And it would be wrong right? or hurtful. Not mm -hmm. that they meant it to be hurtful, but they just didn't know what they were doing. And I would mm. flare up in anger and they would step back or they would leave. Oh, None my. of this is good. Yeah, yeah. It's not. You're right. You're right. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm having these problems, mm -hmm. other people like me are too. So I'm going to start changing it up. Mm. I'm going to see what nice. my real experience is. And then I'm going to start moving through it and sharing the journey along the way. So in a way, is it fair to say that you, you, you intended to, and, and, and not just for the sake of doing it, but also, you know, for, for, for you to move forward, uh, breaking the barriers of the assumed or the expected uh, um, 
personas of yeah. someone who's lost the loved one, a widow or a widower, um, you know, and, 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 and saying, hey, you know, this should not be the expected behavior of someone who's lost a loved one for the rest of their lives, right? Right, exactly. And, and for me, it was, I was in so much pain. I was literally swimming in grief especially mm. that first year. Mm -hmm. And I thought this pain has got to serve some purpose other than just being horrible. Oh, sure. It's got to, it's got to. And you have found a way to turn that around and find out what that purpose is, right? Man, that is extraordinary. That is extraordinary. So um, I want to go back in time and, and share with us how, how did you and your husband you know, meet and establish this life together? Uh, it, it was pretty funny, actually. I was at a point in my life where I was, it was 1992, and I was uh, working at Merrill Lynch as a financial consultant, and okay. Dave was an artist, and he had just had an operation on his ear, and his mom said, go on this church retreat, and, you know, you can relax, and do a painting or play some tennis or whatever. And I was part of the leadership of this group, singles in their 20s and 30s. Gotcha. And uh, I was fed up with my whole entire life. I was hating mm. my job. I was hating my roommate. I was done with men. <laughs> done. And uh -huh. <laughs> so we get up. I went up in this car with these friends and this girlfriend said to me, what you need in your life is a serious relationship. And I looked at her and I said, "You have you not listened to me complain for the last two hours?" <laughs> oh man! You missed this. And you're telling me I need this? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there was this new guy there, and she said, "Well, he's kind of cute. You should go and talk to him." Mm -hmm. And um, so I looked over, you know. Right. Right. And then he was getting hit on by all different women and somewhat odd women. So I thought, you know, I'll go over and I'll talk to him and maybe it'll be romantic or fun or whatever. And there was a dock. We were by the Delaware Water Gap. Mm, okay. And I said, you know, why don't we go sit on the dock and talk? Right. Right. And he said, oh, wow, I'm really looking forward to getting to bed early. And I thought, well, this is going to be very short-lived here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it was funny. And we were, yeah. went to the dock, and there were these two brothers, and they were mm -hmm. fishing for eel for their grandmother. Oh, my. And it was not romantic, but it was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. And they caught an eel, and Dave said, well, can I hold it? So he takes the eel, and the eel is wiggling like this. Oh, man. Yeah. And the guy goes, do you know what it's doing? And he said, no. You know, serious city boy. Yeah, yeah. And the brother said, he's wiggling your hand up to his mouth so he can bite it. And no literally way. his hand was near. <laughs> it was near his hand, right? <laughs> it was right by the teeth at that point. Oh, my goodness. He told him just in time. <laughs> just in time. Yeah. And so... You know, there was no romance, but it was, so, we were just so enjoying each other and enjoying each other's company. Great. And so we, you know, went into one of the, um, 
the houses and we were talking and talking and talking and talking, mm -hmm. making out. Um, mm -hmm. And around five o'clock in the morning, I said, you know, we should really go to sleep. I had small groups to lead the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you had to. Yeah, so it was later than expected, especially with his response saying he was hoping to get to bed early, right? Much later. Uh -huh. And then he said to me, um, and this is the moment where I knew I'd marry him. Uh -huh. um, he said, or we could go down and lie on the dock and watch the sunrise. Oh, wow. Very nice. Very and nice. it was like a bell went off in my head. Now, it took him considerably longer to figure out that I was the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how long, how long were you married? Uh, 20, 25 years? Or? We were together three weeks short of 25 years, and okay. we missed our 20th wedding anniversary by three weeks. Oh, three weeks, huh? Three weeks. Man, three weeks. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, so let's talk. And we about... would never have met. We didn't right. go in the same circles. He was an artist. I was a financial consultant. Okay. So, it so was... you had different groups that that you networked in and associated with before meeting each other. Yeah, it was just yeah. fate. So, um, was it a matter of like his friends and your friends coming together now that you two are together or did you uh, have like your own group of friends as a couple or how did that shake out? Um, we had our own groups, group mm -hmm. of friends and then we had friends that we intersected with. Gotcha. Um, you know, we, we, he loved to paint and loved to play tennis. Yeah. Um, so those were sort of things that he did uh, mostly on his own, uh, right. except um, towards the end when he was, uh, he had cancer and he was on chemo, mm -hmm. he was still going and painting weddings. Was he really? Yeah. Live wow. events, weddings. Um, and so at that point, I would go with him because I was concerned about, you know, if he yeah. fell over or needed to get an ambulance that oh, I sure. could, I could say, no, you're taking him here <laughs> or. Right. Yeah. You know, no that, no, that makes sense. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Allison. I really am because I wanted to now go to 2015 and uh, your husband's diagnosed with stage four. Stage four. Okay. Yep. And um, I, I want to know, and if you could share with the listeners, how did you and your husband respond, not to the doctors, but to life after that diagnosis? Um, he was diagnosed with uh, stage four pancreatic cancer on October 12, 2015. Mm -hmm. And um, he had gotten a CAT scan and they said, you need to come in today. Now, mm. when a doctor says, come in today, this is never good news. No, it's not. No, it's no, it's no, not. it's never good news. And, yeah. um, and, you know, you need to see an oncologist today and you need to, and, and I called up the oncologist and he said, you have, I can get you in, in six weeks. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> right. It will no. be today. <laughs> That's right. ASAP, ASAP for sure. Today. Yeah. Um, and so we, um, we were really knocked back initially. We didn't 
fully understand what it means. And the trajectory for pancreatic cancer is you're, you have six weeks to four months to live, typically. Wow. Yeah. Small, small range. Small range. So it was get the will done now. That's right. Get the, you know, put your affairs in order post haste yeah. and, you know, prepare yourself, though mm -hmm. you, you can't prepare yourself. And then they started telling us to um, slow down, do less, diminish our lives. Hmm. And that didn't make any sense to us. So if the length of his life was now finite and the length of our life together was now had a pretty clear soon end, why would we not choose to live that full tilt boogie? Completely. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. Yep. Wow. And so what happened was that in that he lived 11 months, and we fought for all of it. And the oncologist basically said, he was six foot three, he was 263 pounds. By the end, he was 146 pounds. Oh, you're kidding me. Mm -mm. Wow, my goodness. Yep. Dear God. I mean, he mm. looked skeletal by the end. But what we decided to do was we decided to live fully. Now, in the course of this, his strength was diminishing. The chemo was brutal. Mm. Um, you know, they said he would lose his hair, so he cut his hair short. Right. And then he loved to ride bikes through the city. So he'd get a, on a city bike and he'd ride. Mm. Gotcha. And he got on a city bike and yeah. he rode and he came home and his eyelashes had come off and been cutting his eyes. What? Mm -hmm. Really? And his hair was flying off his head. And this was very shortly after. And oh, it was brutal. That is brutal. That is brutal. Something as, as, as small as hair coming off from simply from a bike ride, you know? Yeah. It's not like you're in a car going 70 miles per hour and you roll the window down and stick your head out. You know, you're on a bike. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's, um, Wow. What what a what what such a situation to go through, you know. Um, but man, I have to commend you, Allison, for uh, I have to commend you for the level of uh, resilience that it seems like you and your husband both had had to um, to uh, to be determined to live life yep. in that finite period of time. You know, and to make that decision to be conscious and purposeful about it um, is 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 tremendous because you know it's so easy for people to just think about the end, think about the end, you know, uh, and and say why me? Why does this happen to me? You know, I've done everything I can to stay healthy, um, but time's ticking while all that worrying and asking those questions are going by. And yeah. you're like, well, we're not going to, you know, time's ticking. We're not going to spend our time doing this. We're going to spend our time living life. And, 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 and that is tremendous. So uh, I want to thank you for sharing that. And, and a lot of what happens in a marriage, you know, if you're with someone for 25 years, yeah. it turns into logistics if you're not really careful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you know, yeah. who's going to take care of this? Who's going to take care of that? Right. And, and so it's almost trans transaction based, it seems like uh, over over time, if you don't watch it. Yeah. And it's yeah. not that you don't love each other, but you sort of take it for granted. Yes. And so we reprioritize loving each other. Mm, very nice. You know, very and, nice. and we would, um, you know, my aim was to create an environment where we would live. So, and I really did this. I reorged our entire life. There were things that we were do doing because we felt obligated. Mm -hmm. So Dave would be asked to, can you come and critique my painting? Right. And he liked to do it, but it was also an obligation. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I said, you're not doing that anymore. You're going to go out and paint with your friends mm -hmm. and maybe you'll go for two hours instead of six. Mm, right, right. You but know, you're still doing it. You're still going out and riding. But mm -hmm. we started looking like taking a real conscious assessment of what we loved and mm -hmm. what we were tolerating. Mm -hmm. And the stuff we were tolerating mm -hmm. in that short lifespan mm -hmm. was out. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Get that tolerating stuff out because it's not as much a priority yep. as uh, the current situation. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's tremendous. Tremendous. So let's talk about um, uh, when, when your husband passes yep. and from, from what you shared in our preliminary chat, he, he passed away in your arms. Is that right? Yes. So, oh, my. Um, he was at home. We were alone. It was just the two of us. Okay. And um, I was holding him. His head was on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, and he was talking to me um, mm -hmm. right at the end. And mm -hmm. I heard the song from Ghost yeah. that morning. And I, I thought, this is the day. Really? I knew it was the day. Um, and so he asked me, you know, will you take care of my mom? Will you take care of my studio? Will you take right. care of this? Right. Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. And in the course of the time when we were scared, what I would do is we would just lie on the bed and hold each other. And I created a little meditation practice of filling up with love. Beautiful. Just filling entirely up with love. Yes because it, it pushed out back the fear a little bit. And so as he was lying in my arms, I said, in a body, you need breath and love. Outside of a body, you just need love. So when you're ready, go out on the love. Mm -hmm. And he literally took four breaths mm -hmm. and left me. Oh, man. Wow. Yep. My goodness. So. Uh... Can you can you share the swirl of emotions, uh, if if it's fair to say that, um, you know, after he's gone, he's gone, you're lost, and and then um, if you can move to, to 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 help us understand if it was a pivotal defining moment that you decided, hey, I I have to you know pick up my bootstraps, um, or was it something gradual that kind of happened over time as you grieved? Um, immediately afterwards, I actually was, was 
talking to a friend mm -hmm. on the phone and I said, I've, I've, I've got to call the, the um, crematorium. I've got to call this. And, mm -hmm. and she mm -hmm. said, you don't have to do anything. You can take all the time you want. There's no rush now. Right, right. And I think that being able to just sit there and hold him for an hour mm -hmm. before I let anybody else in right. made a huge difference to my level of um, feeling um, I don't know, just feeling settled that right. we were, we were complete, that the love was still connected, that, right, right. Um, you was know, some I, sort of affirmation, you think? It was just to not be rushed. Gotcha. Yes. To That's not have advice from your rushed. Friend. Right. You know, to not, I, I didn't call to have them come and pick him up until one o'clock and he died at 10 10 in the morning oh, gotcha gotcha and they arrived at five they did yeah oh wow <laughs> now i Man. i do confess to hiding in the bathroom when they put him in the they re-articulate the limbs and they have to put mm -hmm. the person in a, a bag and i hid oh, yeah. i let my mother witness that <laughs> oh, did you okay <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, understandably so, um, hiding. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to watch a loved one, you know, um, the physical part of them being placed uh, in a position like that. Very hard. Yeah. So then your next question was, um, how did I pivot to moving on? So the first, the first year was really a wash with grief, this future that I could not have ever imagined right you know we had planned out this life together i was going to be loved by this man for my entire life yes done that's right right done the last time i had dated was 1992 mm, really and it was 2016 yeah that's a good stretch of time good stretch yeah. of time so yeah. i was so a we that even figuring out who i was was almost impossible and so even the question of finding love was, wasn't even in your peripheral at all at that time? Not on the table. Gotcha. Okay. Not at all on the table. Um, what happened at the beginning was that, and this is one of those assumptions I was talking about. Right. I felt broken and the people around me treated me that way. Those assumptions. Those assumptions. Yeah. Yep. And, and what I'm discovering is that it's even broader than loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. Anything that turns your world upside down creates this kind of, you know, yeah. you're, you have this unknown future, which is terrifying. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. Amazing. So, so uh, oh, go ahead. So the first thing I had to do was start building nets for myself. So, so my right. pivotal point was when I said to myself, I feel broken, but I'm not. Good. Good. I can't be broken by my circumstances. Right. Nobody right. can. 
And so then it was, but sure feels that way. How do I begin making my way out? Right, right. And it started with building little nets. So I would come up against a challenge. Um, I, for a while, I had a little card on my door. It said, keys, shoes, coat. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it came about because I had walked two blocks in my slippers because oh, I wow. didn't think, you know, and the only reason I realized I had slippers on was my heels started getting cold. Really? Yep. So were you preoccupied or just your mind wasn't on putting on shoes at the time? One of the, one of the really practical effects of this kind of a loss is mm -hmm. loss of focus, the attention span of a fruit fly and variable energy. Oh, wow. So it makes it really hard to plan. It makes it really hard to reach out. Yeah. And so what I began to do was I began to see the challenges that I was coming up against. Gotcha. Okay. Remember to wear shoes when you walk out the door. Yes. Yes. If you get out of the shower and you're still dry, even if you think you took a shower, you didn't. Gotcha. These are real things that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I knew that in order to, I was so contracted. Mm -hmm. It was so hard for me to reach out to a person because it took energy. Well, of course. Yeah. You know, to make a plan, to do something practical. Right. I, you know, I, I was a consultant who couldn't talk to people. Mm. And, and that's the number one kind of prerequisite, right, for that occupation. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The wow. other thing that I did was I, I was a medical editor and proofreader. That required focus. Couldn't do that right. either. So as I began to push out my own boundaries mm -hmm. the first job I took because I wanted to get back to work but I knew that I couldn't do anything I was qualified for mm. I was I felt completely incompetent because I couldn't remember directions right right so the first thing I did I had a friend who had a Halloween pop-up store uh -huh. and I knew that I could hang costumes on hooks I could Physical do that. Action, just motion of the hand, pick up the item, put it on the hook. Yep. Yeah. I could do that. And she agreed that I could work. No one else could do this, but I could work four, four hour shifts. Gotcha. And at the end of four hours, I was wiped out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Completely wiped out. But I was beginning to push my own edges out. Perfect. That is Beautiful, Allison. And, 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 and the reason why I, I asked that question is it's incredibly, incredibly tremendous um, and, and important for our listeners, a lot of them who have gone through some very, very dark times, who mm. are currently in these big ruts, you know, trying to find a way out, trying to find uh, how do I turn this around, you know, and, and listening to your strategy you're setting your own little nets, right, of small things yep. that you have to do uh, to function, right, day to day. And then you're, you're, you're establishing your own boundaries as far as stretching to do more, to grow, 
so on, on your way back, on, you know, in, in your way of moving forward. Um, and that's tremendous because that's incredible insight for those who are really, really stuck in a rut going through dark times. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And that's sort of step one of, of how I got through was yes. to re to start re-engaging, gotcha. start re-stepping into life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I began to reinvent myself. I began to figure out who I was without Dave because I was a we and then I was an I, but I didn't know what that I was anymore. I see, I see. And the the key to to making progress there was to just try stuff. Right. And ask myself lots of questions. So I I thought of it as a game that children play. Like that, don't like that. Like that, don't like that. Right, right. I would do something and I would like it or I would not like it. Mm-hmm. And then I knew what I wanted more of. Very nice. And so the game was to make as many distinctions as I could because the future I was building was not the one that I lost. Right. Because right. I wasn't the same person. I see. I see. And Amazing. Mm-hmm. And you don't go back. You know, people say, well, if I only had what I had. Yeah. But in my experience, you will never have what you had before. Right. It won't be the same. It's not Because same you're not the same. Ah, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. I'm Every a- transition change you, changes mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Every makes, transition. That makes a lot of sense. And it's so real. It's so real. And I think that's one of the realizations people need to come to. That's a huge help for them moving forward. Right. Yep. And another part or an element that you have demonstrated in sharing, sharing this with us, Allison, that, that I at least have observed is we have to have awareness, self-awareness of ourselves, right. To understand where we are and to be transparent and humble enough of ourselves to accept that and talk about a way to, you know, to, to, to let that not define us and to, to take action and to do things. So, you know, as humans, and you already know this, we are very, um, we're wired. It's inherent within us to uh, be of service or to give to others, right? There's something that is with the endorphins and whether it's dopamine, uh, some chemical uh, reaction that, that we feel in our bodies after we have done something good for someone else, right? Yes. So um, can you share with the listeners, how long did it take for you to go through um, your road, okay, of, um, of resilience, your road of, of you know, kind of re- re- reinventing yourself? Uh, yep. before you you felt the need and the call within your heart of hearts to be outward focused and help others um it it is in my nature to serve my community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to serve my ecosystem so i pretty quickly dave died in september and i was writing um, my bad widow blog by january Oh, were you? Okay. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. 
and yeah. um, you know, going back to doing open mics. Yep. Uh, listening to open mics initially, and then singing, uh, starting to write poetry, doing poetry open mics, mm -hmm. and so sharing this experience. Um, I couldn't find anyone who was talking from the raw place that I was willing to talk from. Oh my, yeah. And and so I hit people at their hearts. Yes. Right, yes. because I was a missing piece. People like to talk about this stuff when they're enough past it so they look a little better. Yes. It's human, right? <laughs> yeah, it is human. I, I know totally what you're talking about. I can think of like several instances uh, that is a, a perfect tee to what you're describing. Yep, yep. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, you couldn't find anyone to talk with you about the raw stuff you were ready to talk about, but in being outward focused, and, 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 and helping others, which you yep. do now, some amazing work in helping others, uh, businesses and professionals alike, um, to go through loss, supporting them through loss. Um, part of your coaching, you have to hit on that hard, raw stuff at times, right? I definitely hit on that hard, raw stuff. So okay. I'll tell you a little bit about sort of the three what I work with people on is resilience. Okay. Because okay. what I know about everyone is you can't be broken unless you say so. Right. But it sure feels like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the, the period where people are re-engaging re and stepping back into life, and honestly, the, the places where I became aware that I had fears or barriers. Yeah. It was because I tripped over them. It was because something didn't work. Mm -hmm. Like really didn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you tried. Well, I, I hit it and then I went, okay. then I designed a solution. I see. Okay. So this is how I made my uh -huh. way through. I would go, uh -huh. wow. When I decided to start dating again, mm -hmm. I thought, and this was what felt like the biggest betrayal of my husband. I thought I would like to go and do things with men, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like go to a movie. Yeah, that was all I could manage. Well, sure, sure, but that 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 alone takes a hard look at yourself to yep. to, to accept that and come to terms with that and to deal with this feeling of betraying, you know, and because oh, yeah. people may say, "Oh, come on, really, you're feeling that way?" No, it's real. It's, it's a real true feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 people assume that that feelings run in in singles. Fear and joy. Grief and joy mm -hmm. ran together. Grief, if I was happy, I was a wash in grief. I see. In I this see. circumstance. Okay. So so there's reengage, there's reinvent and reinvent was clarify who you are, clarify what you want. So right. At a certain point, I was like, I am not going to be a cat lady. I'm just <laughs> right, not right. doing it. Yeah, refuse and, to be. Yeah, and, and I decided that what I got in my life was a second epic love affair. I Beautiful. claimed it. Beautiful. Yes, with so, purpose. With purpose. And, and this is really important because what's you have to give yourself something bigger then the grief, fear, and anger you're going to have to go through to get it. Yes. 
I see. Or it's not worth it. That's a tremendous point. You're right. It has to be bigger than that grief and anger. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I am getting an epic love affair. Awesome. That's awesome. Allison, that is awesome. So uh, that- And I did. That, and you did. And I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I saw on your website. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I'm so happy and thrilled for you because, you know, I don't know, maybe I don't have a crystal ball, but, and, and maybe anything could have happened, but you yep. know, the chances of, of you getting that epic love affair, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how likely would it have been had you not done the steps that you've done, you know, setting it would up the not have happened. And, no, no, would not have happened. Yeah. yeah. So and that's the, no way to live. It's no way to live. And, yeah. and then the, the third thing that I do, so re-engage, mm -hmm. reinvent, re and then the third piece is rebuild. So what happens in the face of, of a loss or a transition is that people step up, mm -hmm. they step back or they step out. Gotcha. So you lose people you rely on mm -hmm. for support. Mm. And so what I started doing was I started looking at this and looking at how we think of our communities and our networks by default. So people are always stepping out after any transition, loss of a loved one, right. loss of a job, right. health crisis, people step back mm. and they step out. And so I started thinking, well, but what if you proactively took a look at what you had in the way of a network and right. saw if it was fueling you and if you were fueling it, because it's reciprocal, reciprocal, Right, right, right. And then proactively made it what you wanted it to be. Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's something I believe is part of your coaching you offer to yeah, yeah. people you work with. And, and what, are their, what are their thoughts or responses when you, like, suggest that in that way, you know? Well, it's, people think of networks as only business, business referrals. But if you, if you consider it, we exist in networks throughout our lives. So true. So true. That's right. But we don't curate them that way. Mm -hmm. And so people had a deep recognition that that was just true. Right when Dave was dying, it turned out insurance didn't cover the oxygen he needed to breathe. Oh, man. And I was talking to a bunch of friends, and one of my friends just spontaneously said, here's X amount for oxygen. Wow. Wow. And so in my need, my community rose up. Yes. yes. And that's the possibility, but that's not how we interact with them. Mm, I got you. Um, the other thing that I discovered, which is really important, which I want to share with your community, is that as a widow, and whenever there's a crisis, people don't want to get it wrong. They want to give you what you're asking for, right, right. but they're really scared to get it wrong. And what I discovered is that if I could myself get crystal clear about what I needed, mm -hmm and ask for it so clearly right. 
that they couldn't get it wrong. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. They said yes about 80% of the time. Gotcha. Everybody wants to be a hero. Yeah. So yeah. if you can set it up that way. You're helping them help you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendous. And, and then you go broader. So if you go, okay, so then you're building your network. And if you're thinking into your future and what you want in your life, do you have the people in your network who are able to help you with that? Right. Because if you don't, you might want to add some people. For sure. For sure. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I love that approach. I love that perspective. Uh, Allison, uh, what is the number one thing that you share with all of your clients, all of your businesses, all the people that you support when they are going through the deepest, darkest part of whatever incident they're going through, whatever experience, um, what is the first thing they must understand in order to reconsider that, hey, this is something I can get over? Yeah, the first thing that they need to understand is that even if they feel broken, they aren't. And that gotcha. I can show them the way through. Wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. And, uh, and I think you may have shared part of this in your experience, but I'd mm -hmm. love for the listeners to, uh, to understand from you, um, when you uh, reinvented yourself, yeah. Uh, what, what was the number one thing you learned about yourself throughout this experience, throughout your journey? I guess I've learned, I've learned that it's in my nature to deconstruct things and fix them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would hit a barrier. I would, yeah. I would hit something I didn't understand. I, right. I, and then I would find a solution. I, I'll give you one quick example. I was sure. dating this guy and he kept rising to the surface, mm -hmm. my current boyfriend, yeah. um, <laughs> as amazing. And uh -huh. uh, I, it was, I think my wedding anniversary would have been my wedding anniversary. And I'd been right. crying for eight hours mm -hmm. and I had a date oh, and wow. I'm a hot mess, absolutely <laughs> a hot mess. And I'm right. thinking, who wants this? <laughs> And then I thought, this guy's an adult, mm -hmm. so I can let him choose. And I called up and I explained what was going on. Right. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to be like, and I want to see you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not up for this, it's okay. We'll reschedule. Right, right. And he said, you know, I'm okay with you being a hot mess. There you go. You put and it I, out there. You were very clear. Very clear. Out. Mm -hmm. And then he could choose. So it was a yes. partnership. It was a dialogue, not a monologue. Right. And you didn't put it all on you to make that decision. Nope. Yeah. That, that's 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 self-care. That's that's huge self-care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Allison, you have shared some tremendous insights. I know that will resonate with our listeners. I'm so excited and so thrilled to have you on the show. Uh, how can the listeners learn more about you and uh, the amazing work you're doing? So my website is badwidow.com. 
Badwidow.com. Loving it. Loving it. <laughs> and can you share for the listeners once again the three components when it comes to making that, that journey back, right? Uh, the first three. First is re-engage. Re-engage. Second is reinvent. Reinvent. And the third is rebuild. Rebuild. Re-engage. Reinvent. Rebuild. Yep. Love it. Huge components, huge components, and an excellent roadmap, if I, uh, if I say so, uh, Allison. Yep. Oh, man, this is beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, Allison, thank you so much for being on the show. We are going to go into a segment now called Three for the Road. This is where I ask my guests three um, thought-provoking, random, yet inspiring, hopefully, uh, questions uh, that I challenge my guests to answer in five words or less. So what do you think? Uh, you think you might be up for it? Go for it. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and by the way, my questions are always customized for my guests. Okay. So no two questions are alike. All right. We're going to go based on the bad widow theme. Okay. Okay. Actually, the first part of that being the, the word bad. Question number one for three for the road. How do you turn something bad into good? Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Love it. Love it. I'm digging it big time, Allison. You're doing great. Question number two. Okay. What would you advise someone who have found themselves in a bad situation? Increase your self-care. Increase your self-care. Again, digging it. You're <laughs> leaving words to spare, Allison. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and question three for three for the road. When you feel down, what, if any, is your go-to bad food or vice? Oh, ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's hard to resist, isn't it? It really is. I love is. ice cream. Yeah, so do I. What's your favorite flavor? Um, my, my latest favorite flavor is, is called Netflix and Chillin'. Oh, I never heard of that. Is it's that a Ben really & Jerry? Or it's it... a Ben & Jerry. <laughs> okay, okay. I will have to look that up for sure. I'm, I'm going to Google it, or next time I'm in the grocery store, I definitely want to want to check that out. I'm a strawberry guy myself. Oh, yeah. that's good too. Yeah. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity ice cream eater. Oh, there you go. That's right. It's just that good, right? It's just that good. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations. You survived three for the road. I knew you would. You passed with fine <laughs> colors. <Thank> and you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and, and be sure to visit Allison's site at www.badwidow.com and learn more about her story, her work, and the amazing blog with her entries on heartbreak, hope, poetry, and so much more. We'll have her direct links in the episode show notes. So make sure you grab those links from the show notes uh, to learn more about Allison. Allison, thank you so, so very much for coming on the show. It was really great having you here. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And just a quick reminder, you know, the Road to Rediscovery YouTube channel has just launched and there's some content on there and we're still building content, but I highly, highly uh, solicit for all of you to 
go into the Road to Rediscovery uh, podcast channel on YouTube and subscribe and just stay tuned for more content that we'll be building on that YouTube channel. Uh, I am so grateful for your, for your uh, support and partnership. So thank you so much for that. We're all roadies in this journey of life. And you know what? It sure feels good having you on the journey with me. Thanks so much for listening. We'll chat again soon.